What a powerful story. Chris, uh, just thank you so much for being willing to share your story. And Chris's story is just one of many that we're going to see over the next few weeks of people whose lives have been changed because of you. Because you have allowed God to work in and through you. And because they have made the decision themselves to get connected, to be plugged in. Last week, we started a brand new series called Remember. And this whole series is, is about really uh, what does it mean to be a member at River Rock Bible Church? But let me say this, it's so much more than membership. All of the things that we're going to talk about from this week on are, are, are going to have to do with basically what it means just to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. And last week we talked about the covenant, the importance of a covenant community, a community that says together, yes, we are, we are setting out to commit ourselves first to the Lord and then to one another. And I think that comes through pretty clearly in Chris's story about how this group of people, they were committed to God, and because of their commitment to God, that drew them closer to one another, and they were committed to each other. And this morning, we're going to look at the idea of community. We're going to talk about the importance of gathering here on a Sunday morning. Why is it so important that I'm at church on Sunday morning? Does it really even matter? Does it really even matter if I'm connected to a community group? Or maybe I'm in a community group, but, but they probably won't miss me this week and next week and the next week. And I'll just go when I can. It, it's not really that important. But I think Chris's story perfectly illustrates way better. I mean, I could probably just not even preach and just let that story speak for itself of how powerful uh, every single one of us has deep down inside that need for a, a deeper, more meaningful connection. He said, to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And not just in the times when you're struggling, but, but when there's something to celebrate. You, you want someone there with you. There's something powerful that God uses other people in our lives. And uh, I, I mentioned earlier that this series is really geared more towards what it means to be a member of River Rock Bible Church. And so let me just clarify some things. Um, somebody tell me, what do you have to believe to attend River Rock Bible Church or one of our community groups? What do you have to believe? Nothing. You don't have to agree with a single word that is said or anything that we have in our, our doctrinal statement. You don't have to agree with anything. You are welcome here. You are welcome to attend. You are even welcome at our community groups. Um, what do you have to do to attend here at River Rock Bible Church? Show up. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Other than show up, what do you have to do? Nothing. You don't have to serve. There's no expectations of service or giving. You are welcome to just come and sit. But what we're talking about is those who have said, hey, River Rock is my home. I belong here. I, I want to join with this group of people in pursuing their vision of every man, woman, and child hearing the gospel. And I want to be discipled in this way. I want to I agree to these things. And the first one we're going to talk about is community. But if you're here, let me tell you, you can, and you're not ready for membership, that's okay. That's okay. That's perfectly okay. But just know that one of the things we're going to try to disciple you towards one of the things we're going to walk with you and try to help you take next steps towards are things like community, that, that, that you would have the opportunity to experience what Chris has experienced, that you would be uh, overwhelmed by God's love as his people pour out his love on you through community groups and through worship together on Sunday morning. And so don't be overwhelmed, but, but do know that, hey, this is, 
This is what we're talking about. We're talking about what does it mean to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be a disciple who makes disciples? Because in the end, our desire is that every person who walks through this door, whether they're a first-time visitor, a regular attender, or a member, our desire is to see you take next steps in your walk and your journey with God. Everybody takes steps at different paces, and everybody's next step is different. But ultimately, we want to see you taking those next steps towards God. And so over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. What are those things that we're going to try to help you take next steps towards and and bring some understanding? Because our vision, as I said, it's way bigger than just to be a, a room full of people on a Sunday morning. Our desire is to reach every man, woman, and child in Georgetown. And we said last week, the only way we do that is, number one, we've got to multiply disciples. There have to be more people who every day are being transformed and conformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And number two, thing that we want to do is we want to multiply churches. It's our hope that, that throughout this whole greater Austin area that we would see more churches planted where more disciples are being multiplied, not because it has our name attached to it or because of anything other than we desire to see every man, woman, and child have the opportunity to put their trust in Jesus Christ because we believe, honestly, we believe that apart from saving faith in Jesus Christ, that men and women and children will be separated from God for all eternity. That is what motivates us. That and that alone is because we want everyone to experience the life change that comes from faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that their eternity is secure in heaven. That's where we're headed. That's, that's what we're going to do. And so this morning, uh, as we start to look at the parts of our membership covenant, remembering that at the end of this series, we're going to have an opportunity. We're going to ask all of our current members, maybe you're a founding member, maybe you signed up two years ago, or maybe you signed up in September and said, I want to be a member. We're going to ask all of our current members, hey, reaffirm, reaffirm your commitment. Now that that we've all talked through this, let's make sure we are all on the same page and you, you get a chance to say, I'm still in, count me in. And for those of you who've been visiting, maybe you just started this series with us. Maybe it's your first Sunday. We want you to have a chance to say, you know what? That's what I want. That's what I need in my life. That's what I need in my life. And I want to sign up. I want to be a member. I want to join in the, the mission and the vision of this church. And, and I want to work towards these things that we've just talked about over the last few weeks. So let's, let's start by looking at Acts chapter 2. We looked at this passage last week, and really this is kind of the model for, you know, when, when you ask pastors like, hey, what do you want your church to look like? This is the, the very first church that is gathered. The day of Pentecost comes, the, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit, Peter stands up and preaches, and then we read this. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 people were added to them. 3,000 people come to know Christ in one day. And they, those, those people that had come to know Christ, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to, and to prayers. Then fear, reverence for God, came over everyone, and many signs and wonders were being performed to the apostles. Now all, does that say some or all? All were together and held some things, all things in common, thank you, all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Some days, every day, they devoted themselves, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joy and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. I, 
who does not want to be a part of that kind of church? Amen? I, I mean, I read this, and I can tell you that there are two words that come to my mind when I read this passage, and I think about the early church, and I think about what God was doing in that group of people. Number one, we covered last week, they were committed. They were committed. They devoted themselves. It says twice, they devoted themselves. They were committed to God. They were committed to his mission, and they were committed to each other. And the second thing that I see is that they were connected. They were connected as a community. As a community, they were connected to one, one another. Uh, I, I think very easily you can, you can see why we would have two parts of our, of our church covenant um, that we say, hey, as church members, we agree to meet regularly on Sunday mornings for worship that as long as it's in my power, if I'm not sick or, and I'm not having to travel for business or, or on vacation, that uh, if I'm in town, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. I'm going to make it a priority to be here on Sunday morning, and I'm going to make being in a community group, being in a small group where I could be shepherded and I can have a chance to invest in other people, I'm going to make that a priority. To me, that comes across very clearly in here. We see they were gathering in the temple complex, not just on Sundays. They were doing it every day. They were doing it every day because they were so excited about what God was doing. And so they were gathering. That, to me, sounds like a large worship service, doesn't it? And then it says they moved from house to house. How many of you have houses that can hold 3,000 people? Not many of us. I can tell you not many of them had, had houses that would hold 3,000 people. To me, that kind of sounds like maybe they were moving around as community groups, small groups of people that were meeting from house to house in different places throughout the week so that they could continue their worship and their encouragement of one another and the study of the Word of God. It's amazing what God does in these first few chapters of the book of Acts. Um, and you just see um, there's, this, there's this relationship in unity among the believers about what God is, is accomplishing on earth. So what happened? What happens is the church goes on, and, and, and it's amazing to me, this other passage that we're going to look at this morning, uh, I find it really interesting. Do you know that there is only one passage in the New Testament that commands us to go to church. Only one passage in the entire New Testament where the command is given for us to gather together and to be together. So when I read that, and I, and I understand this, I, I think there's two possibilities here. Either number one, the early church and the New Testament writers didn't think that gathering for worship was that important. Raise your hand if you think that is a likely scenario. Good, nobody. All right, or number two, the entire New Testament church understood how important it was, that it was so important, that it was so valued by them, that no one had to tell them to go. No one had to give them the command to go and be in community, to be in connection with one another, because it was, it was just understood, this is what you do. And as you read the New Testament, here's what, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that in the New Testament, it was understood that to be a part of the body of Christ meant being a part of a body of Christ. Being a part of the body of Christ meant being a part of a body of Christ. There is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian when it comes to the New Testament. If you were a part of the body of Christ, wherever you were, you found a local group of people and you connected to them and you started committing yourself to the work of the Lord together with them. You got in a local church and you got connected. 
We're going to see this very clearly in Hebrews chapter 10. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse uh, 19. And there's something very important in this, in this passage that I want you to understand. Something really important that we've got to understand before we go forward. Uh, and, and that is, I want you to be on the lookout for a privilege as well as a command. What's the privilege and what's the command? Verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, he is open for us through the curtain, that is, his flesh. We celebrated that earlier through communion. And since we, we, not I, not you, not singular, but plural, we, the church, have a great high priest over the house of God, let us, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our fellowship, our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, as I said, there's, there's a privilege in here and there's a command given here. But what the writer of Hebrews is talking about is the word koinonia, fellowship. And he's saying that, look, here's, here's the deal. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we get to come together with boldness you see, in the Old Testament, whenever they wanted to come and there was only a certain select group of pe- people, it was the high priest who would be able to go and stand in the presence of God. And, and even then, he would walk into this place called the Holy of Holies and he would have bells sewn into his clothing and a rope tied around his waist because if he was not perfectly holy and perfectly clean and perfectly right in his relationship before God at the moment he stepped through, he would drop dead. And they would have to pull him out because no one else could go in behind that curtain. And the writer of Hebrews says, look, we don't have to go through that. We are clean. We are washed clean. We get to come whenever we want and gather together because we are all clean. We get to be in the presence of God freely. With boldness, we get to stand before him. Not fear and trembling, but with boldness, we get to stand before him and worship him together. That's the privilege That's the privilege. And then he lists a number of commands. Let us, let us, let us. And then he says, because of all these things, do not give up meeting together. Don't forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now let me say this. There's a word that's used throughout the New Testament to describe the church. We often translate it as church. It's the word koinonia. It simply means fellowship. It means fellowship. Uh, It means an assembly, a gathering, a community holding something in common, something like a common faith and a common calling. One one, uh, writer says this, it is a relationship of inner unity among believers that expresses itself in outer co-participation with Christ in one another, accomplishing God's will on earth. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't give that up. Don't give that up. You need to be meeting together. You need to be fellowshipping together. Now, I've got to say, when it comes to this passage, there are two dangers. There are two dangers that we can get into. And the first is, number one, that you would be guilted into going to church, right? That doesn't work. That doesn't work. That is not graceful. And as we saw last week, the covenant 
All the covenants that God makes are based on grace. And so we as a church, we covenant together to be based on grace. And so I'm not here this morning to to, uh, guilt you into going to church. It's important. Again, we saw the privilege. We cannot separate the privilege, uh, the command from the privilege. And too often that's what happened. The pastor gets up and he says, don't forsake the meeting together. Makes you feel guilty that you can't be here. And that is not my intent. My intent is to remind you of the privilege remind you of the boldness and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and to say, let that be your motivation for wanting to gather, for wanting to come together. Because here's here's the thing, Um, coming to church does not make you more spiritual. Coming to church does not make you more spiritual. Just because you've got a perfect attendance record in church doesn't mean that, that you're doing okay spiritually. How many times do you think the Pharisees mischurched, right? They had lots of issues. They had lots of issues. Um, let me say this. We don't, we don't go to church because of guilt. We are the church because of grace. We don't go to church because of guilt. We are the church because of grace. And that's what the writer of Hebrews wants us to see, that it's by the grace of God that he's drawn us together to be in community with one another, that we could come together freely with boldness and worship him, by his grace and not out of guilt. And not out of guilt. And here's the second danger. The second danger is that we ignore the issue. That we ignore the issue. Uh, and, and honestly, that's very tempting as a pastor. Because sometimes when people feel like, oh my goodness, I'm disobeying a command and the pastor preaches on that command that maybe you've only been partly fulfilling, that you get mad at the pastor. And there's a big difference between guilt and conviction and let me say, if you read this this morning and you're like, wow, I've missed six out of the last seven Sundays and this is my first time to be in church for seven Sundays or for seven years, whatever it is, um, maybe that is the Spirit speaking to you saying, let's make this more of a priority and it's not me. My job is, is to put it out there and let the Spirit speak to you. So don't think I'm trying to come and make you feel guilty, but I also wouldn't be doing my job if I ignored the if I ignored the command of Scripture for us to gather together. Because ignoring it ignores the importance of the church as a family of Christ with whom we gather to be reminded of the gospel. Uh, and it's, it's often because we have a strong distaste for the legalistic side of things that, that we just gloss over this and we say, oh, it's not that important. Oh, you've missed six months, um, so it's okay. Just come back. We just want you back. But really, it's important that we understand that, that there are things that, that begin to happen to us. We, we never mention the fact that a ball, like a soccer ball, can very quickly become Baal, right? Old Testament, false idol. And how quickly our leisure and our comfort becomes an idol in our life and a priority rather than prioritizing our worship of God. And here's the reality, is that every single Sunday, the grace of God is presented as his people gather together. And I'm not just talking about what happens up here on the platform. As, as you walk in and you're greeted and you receive that warm fellowship of someone who's handing you a bulletin or someone you run into at the coffee pot, the grace of God is evident and becomes active in your own life. We're going, to, we're going to talk more about what are some of the blessings um, that God has for us, but uh, there's, there's something that God is calling us to, that week after week, 
when we leave here, that there's something that God does as we hear his word, as we sing songs about him together, not just by ourselves, as we interact with one another, there's something that God does in us. And a lot of times we go back into the work week and we think there's, there's something wrong with me. I'm not, I'm not doing this right. And, and we realize that what we're missing is that peace where we come together on Sunday morning and the grace of God is pounded into you because you're reminded of God's grace in your own life. And, and perhaps you're struggling because there's a sin in your life that you just can't get past. And what you need to be reminded of, of every week, you need, to, you need to be with God's people who can remind you, you have been sprinkled clean. You can approach God with boldness. You have that privilege. The guilt is no longer there. Now let us worship together. Let us worship together. It's, to me, it's a lot like a family dinner. Um, a family dinner, the value is not in the conversation as much as it is in the demonstration of the love and the unity that you have with your family. Um, in our family, we try to have seven nights a week. That's our goal, seven nights a week that we are at the dinner table. It doesn't always happen. That's our goal, but we've also set the other boundary limit is no less than four. Like four nights a week, we will meet together as a family. Why? Why? Because it demonstrates the importance and the unity that we have as a family and the love that we have for one another. And some of our greatest memories happen around our dinner table. And that's what we desire for everyone here at River Rock Bible Church, that you would experience that here on a Sunday morning. So what I want us to do is I want to look briefly at some of the, some of the blessings. What are the benefits of being a part of a local church. Because the reality is, uh, and I've said this before, and maybe you're here this morning, you're thinking, you know what, I, I like these people, but I'm not on board with their mission and vision. But let me tell you this, um, if we're not the church for you, let us help you find a local church where you can get connected, where you can get behind their mission and vision, where you can say, you know what, this is where I want to be plugged in every single week. When I'm in town, if I'm not worshiping at the porcelain throne, then I'm going to be here with these people. Like, I'm going to be here. And if River Rock is not that place for you, let us help you find that place because you need that place. You need that place. All right? This is not about River Rock. This is about what you need and what God desires to do in your life. And so I want us to look at that. And uh, let's, let's start by looking at number one. The first thing that, that we do when we gather is that we demonstrate the reality of Christ in our own lives. We demonstrate the reality of Christ in our own lives. Verse 22 The writer of Hebrews says this, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope. When we come together, when we come together, we hold on to that profession of hope, of eternal life, that we look forward to that. And as those who are in Christ, 1 Corinthians says that we're to be transformed into Christ's likeness. Romans 8 says that we are to be conforming into Christ's likeness. And and when we do that, we... if we are to do that, we must do what Jesus did, right? Who, who remembers the bracelets? Some of you might have one on. What would Jesus do? Well, we don't have to ask what Jesus would do because we know what Jesus did because people were smart enough to write it down. And here's what we know about Jesus. If that's the goal, if the goal is to be like Jesus Christ, let's ask ourselves what Jesus did. Let's look at Luke 4. Look at Luke 4. He says, he, that is Jesus, came to Nazareth, that's where he grew up, where he had been brought up. As usual, some translations say, as was his custom, what did he do? He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. 
as was his custom. This was his habit. This was his as usual. If you go to the synagogue in Nazareth on, on Sabbath day, you're going to find Jesus. He was there. He was worshiping with the people that were in his community. He was worshiping as was his custom, as was his habit, as some translations say, as usual. Right? So if we're going to be like Jesus, if we're going to be conformed and transformed to his likeness, then it should be said of us, as usual, so-and-so was at River Rock Bible Church or at their local body where God has called them to plug in. As usual, as was his custom. Here's the reality. In America, 71% of our population claims to be Christian. Of that 71%, only 40% say they go to church. But anybody know about the halo effect? When it comes to statistics, people often report higher numbers of good behavior. So of that 40%, only 20% actually go. So 40% of people tell, tell the surveyor, oh yeah, I go to church, but only when you dig a little deeper, only 20% of those people are actually attending church. Of those 20%, of those 20%, most of them are attending fewer than twice per month. Right? That's what passes as regular attendance in America today at a worship service. That's what people consider being connected to a local body 10.8 times per year. Less than once a month. Um, let me ask you, if, if that were your attendance record at work, and then you showed up 15 minutes late on top of that, how long would you expect to be employed? How quickly would you expect to be progressing in your job? If that were your kid's uh, sports team, and you told the coach, hey, we're only going to be at half the practices, half the games, and we're going to be late every time we are here. You expect your kid to be a starter? You expect him to go from throwing limp-wristed to, like, firing that ball in there? No, it's not going to happen. He's not going to be moving forward. And the same is true for us when we are disconnected from the body of Christ, uh, it's very difficult for us, us to expect to continue to move forward. It's very difficult to expect to move forward. The second thing is, as far as demonstrating the reality of Christ in our own lives, we're called by Scripture to understand that the outside world, those who don't know Christ, are watching us. They are watching our behaviors. And, and I've got verses from First Peter. It says, They will observe your good, good works and glorify God on the day of visitation. Matthew 5.16, They will see your good deeds and glorify God. Philippians 2.15, We're told to shine like stars in our world. Now, let me ask you this. If you go to your neighbor and you tell them about the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ and how much he has changed your life and how important he is to you, and then they say, is that why your car's parked in the driveway every Sunday? How strong of a witness does that demonstrate that you're not getting up, you're not gathering with God's people? And you may say, you know what? I love Jesus. Got no problem with Jesus. I love Jesus. He's great. It's the church that I have a problem with. They're all sinners, Yes, we are. We're all broken. And let me tell you, if you find the perfect church with nobody that ever lets you down and nothing uh, that ever bothers you about that church, don't join it. You will ruin it, right? That's the, that's the reality is there are no perfect churches. And here's the thing, uh, saying that you love Jesus, but you don't love the church is, is like going to, I, try this, go to your best friend, not your spouse, but go to your best friend and say, man, I love you, but I hate your wife. 
See how that goes. See how long you guys remain friends and how deep your relationship gets. Ladies, imagine your husband's friend coming in saying, uh, you know what, Amanda, I want to hang out with Charlie, but you're going to have to leave because I can't stand you, right? How long are you going to allow your husband to be friends with that guy? It's not going to work. That relationship's going to go nowhere. And and sadly, there are people around the world, who, especially in our country, who have individualized their spirituality, and they think it's possible for me to be a a growing Christian apart from the body of Christ, but everything in the New Testament tells us otherwise. It tells us otherwise. You You might get to a certain point, but to be a growing Christian, a growing disciple, it takes other people coming alongside of you, as as our passage says, encouraging one another, spurring one another on, that we've got to be invested in one another. Let's go, uh, let's go on to our next point, and that is that we will be strengthened by God's word prepared with you in mind. Prepared with you in mind. Um, verses 22 and 23 says, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful, and let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. And we know in Romans chapter 10, here we have that reminder of our assurance of our hope of faith. We proclaimed that earlier through the, through the communion together. We're reminded of the gospel of grace. Romans 10, it's talking about evangelism. It's talking about people coming to Christ, but it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by chrema, the spoken word of God. And I believe every single one of us, every single week needs to be reminded of our faith. We need to be reminded of God's grace in our own life and we need to hear it. And, and I'll tell you, you can hear way better preaching if you, if you uh, sign up for a podcast of another church, Right? Let's be honest. Matt Chandler's out there. There's all these other great, phenomenal pe- preachers. You, you can even hear them uh, from around the world. Pe- preachers that are going to do a way better job than I can do. They're way more entertaining, way more energetic, uh, and, and they probably, you know, they've just been doing it longer. They're better than I am. They're going to keep your attention a lot longer. Um, but here's the thing. The message that they prepare is prepared for their congregation and their community in their context. When I sit down every Monday morning and I begin to open the word of God, the first thing that I do is I pray, God, what do you have to say to the people of River Rock Bible Church this week? When Stephen sits down and he looks at the worship order, he is asking God, what are the songs that are going to minister to the people of River Rock Bible Church this week? This entire worship service is planned with you in mind. There's a reason why sometimes you're like, oh man, pastor's speaking right to me. It's because maybe I was thinking, you know who needs to hear this? No, not really. (laughs) It's prepared with you in mind. It's prepared with you in mind. And and I mentioned Matt Chandler earlier. In fact, if you ever listen to his podcast, uh, you're very familiar with the reality that he often says, hey, we're so glad you're tuning in, really glad you're listening, uh, but you need to find a local church with a local pastor who can pastor you because this message was prepared for my church, not for you. It's good teaching, but still not for you. You need to find a pastor that can pastor and shepherd you. There's something special that happens uh, when you gather and you hear songs that have been selected with you in mind, a message that has been prepared with you in mind that God uses to deepen your faith. 
The third thing that happens is that we experience the empowering presence of God in a special way. Matthew 18, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered together, there I am with them. Psalm 22, 3 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. There is something special about gathering with multiple people and experiencing something together. And not only, not only is it just the experience now, but we have the anticipation for what's going to happen. Read Romans, uh, Revelation chapter 4 and read about the throne room and what's going to happen. Skip forward to Revelation chapter 21 when we read about the bride of Christ being presented and the feast that's celebrated there. I can tell you, if you don't like crowds, you're not going to like heaven. There's going to be a crowd of people that are, have gathered for worship. And, but there is something that tangibly happens when the people of God gather together. And together we sing his praises. And together we pray. And together we study his word. There's something that's, that's very, very powerful. Let me ask you, everybody think real quick. What is the, the best concert you have ever been to? I'll tell you mine. I was in high school. I got tickets to Garth Brooks in Houston. Right? It was the most amazing concert of my entire life uh, in the summit, which is now turned into a church. But I can, I can remember that. Had I, but here's the deal. I'd heard all those songs before. Listened to them on the radio. Still had them on CDs. Got them on my iPad. Got them on my computer. Why was it so special? Because I was, I've never been surrounded by 10,000 other people, 30,000 other people singing the same song focusing our attention on the same guy. Uh, Think about sports. Wrigley Field this past week. People are paying $6,000 for two hours. Four hours of baseball. And it's packed. Not an empty seat. When you could watch it on TV at home for free. Why? Because there's something that happens when you experience it with other people. Something that happens when you experience it with other people. Uh, I don't know, I know we're in, in Austin territory, but if you've ever been to Kyle Field, man, I'll tell you what, that is life-changing. That is a life-changing experience right there. And it's not just about being in the stadium and standing up watching the entire football game. I love, read through Psalms, do me a favor, go home, find a concordance or, or, or online and just search the keyword Song of Ascent. And read how many of the Psalms are, are songs of David that he's written. He's like, I'm not, I'm not waiting until I get to the house of worship. I'm worshiping on the way. Like, let's go. He's calling the people to come with him. And it's like the pregame for a football game where everybody's marching in together and everybody's excited and then the game starts. And that should be our attitude towards Sunday morning and towards our community group. That we should be dragging people with us. Like, come on. Like, you don't want to miss this. Something special is going to happen when we gather together. Something special is going to happen that God is going to reveal himself in a special way as we sing his songs together, as we meet together over coffee, as we move chairs together, as we sit around a coffee table and we pray for one another. Something special happens. Number four, number four, you develop deeper, more meaningful relationships. Deeper, more meaningful relationships. Verses 24 and 25 say this. It says, let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, It's really difficult to show concern for other people when you're not present in their life. That's just a reality. 
And in fact, that word showing concern, it, it means to spur one another on. It literally means to irritate. Think about getting something in your eye and how awful that is. Uh, and, Paul, and the writer of Hebrews says, you need to be so irritating towards each other, towards love and good deeds. You need to irritate each other towards love and good deeds. Right? Now, how many of you want to be irritated by someone you don't know? It's much easier when you, when you have an established relationship with someone that you love and you care about, and they come alongside you, and, and they're the ones who tell you, hey, uh, you got a little traffic in the right lane there. Um, you, got a, you got a booger in your nose. Your zipper's down, right? We'd rather have a friend do that than a stranger. And spiritually, we need those people in our lives that are going to say, man, I, I think you're missing it here. Let me help you. Let me walk with you. And if you don't have that relationship, then you, then you miss out on that. Um, uh, imagine this, church of 200 people. If half of that congregation misses one Sunday, one Sunday per month, that church goes from a church of 200 to a church of 175. And, and if you're one of those 100 that's missing one Sunday a month, that means there are about 50 people in the church that you probably have no idea who they are. And so when someone comes up to you on a Sunday and says, hi, is this your first time here? You're like, no, I've been coming here for three years. I've just been coming here, you know, once a month for three years. It's really difficult to establish those relationships. It's difficult uh, uh, to, uh, to be discipled and to help disciple other people. What is the quality of those relationships? And as we said earlier, that's, that's if we only miss once a month. National averages, we're missing twice a month or more. Very difficult, very difficult to establish those relationships. Uh, and again, some of you may say, well, I, I get what I need by, by listening online and listening to worship online. Well, let me ask you, who's going to be there for you when you're going through a divorce and you're headed into court like Chris was? Hug your, hug your TV screen and your computer screen. You might feel a little warmth from the glow of the screen, but it's going to be pretty cold. You need people who've been invested in you and whom you've been invested in to be there when you're facing life's biggest challenges as well as to celebrate life's biggest victories. Number five is, is that you get to minister, you're ministered to by others. Paul in Romans chapter one, he says, man, I can't wait to meet with you guys so that we can mutually encourage one another. I can't wait for us to be mutually encouraged. I can't wait to meet with you. I can't wait to be there with you. I want to be with you. The reality is, uh, we read a few weeks ago, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 10, that we are uh, the body of Christ, that we are one body with many members, chapter 12, one body with many members, and everybody has a role to play. And here's the thing, that if you're not here, someone misses out on the opportunity to use their gift. God's purpose for you being here may be that someone else gets to use their spiritual gift that Sunday to minister to you. And the, the same thing is true the other direction. Um, number six, that you get to be used by God to minister to others. That there may be someone here on a Sunday morning that God's intent was that they would come so that you would have the opportunity to exercise your gift to minister to them. And if you're not here, they miss that opportunity. And you've missed that opportunity. We say often here at River Rock Bible Church, the pastors are the equippers and the members are the ministers, and I mean it. 
I mean it. My job is to equip you to use your gifts. Um, but it's a beautiful thing. You know, the first time I heard uh, what was going on with Chris was, was after the fact, after everything had happened. And it was a beautiful thing because the first call wasn't to the pastor, but to his friends, his family, and his community group, people that he had a relationship with. And by the time I got to it, it, it had already been taken care of. He'd already been ministered to. It's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. People got to use their gifts. Chris got to use his gifts as a part of that community group to minister to other people. So I want to encourage this, and I, and I want to challenge this again, remembering that we're under grace, not under guilt. We're under grace, not under guilt. Uh, what are we asking of our members? What do we ask in our covenant? We ask that you would make Sunday morning a priority. That unless there are extenuating circumstances, you're sick or you're out of town, that you would make Sunday morning worship a priority. That you would do everything you can to gather with us. Because we need you here. And you need to be here. Um, And then we'd also ask that you get connected to a community group. Because we believe that that is where the real life change happens. That sitting in someone's living room and weeping with them or rejoicing with them is where God will work the most to change your life. We believe that. We believe that. The lake will be there at noon. We're usually done by 11, 15, going a little long today. But the lake will be there when we get done. The game will still be on when you get home. Your church family only meets as a, as a corporate gathering once a, once a week. Your community group gets together once during the week. You need to be in connection with God and his people. Um, don't stay away from our fellowship gatherings on Sunday morning or in your community group, but with boldness, take full advantage of the privilege extended to you in Christ. Draw near to God with the full assurance of faith and to his people, showing concern for one another, encouraging one another as we, together, Hold on to the confession of our hope because he who promised is faithful. Don't miss the blessings that come from being connected and committed to God's people. Let's pray. Father, I pray for us this morning, Lord, that that you would help us to not only understand but to experience personally the blessings that come from being connected to your family. I pray for every single one of us that we would make it a priority in our lives to gather here, to hold on to the confession of our hope, to boldly proclaim the gospel to to ourselves and to one another, that we would be reminded day after day that we are an imperfect people, but we have the privilege of coming before you through your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.